You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Mic check, one, two, mic check, audio levels are looking fantastic. Hopefully everyone who's listening to this episode is feeling fantastic. I better shut my phone off real quick here. Not the not the best way to start a episode, but uh, I'm going to give you the old Ric Flair. Woo! I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling positive. Uh, had an amazing weekend with uh, my family doing something that I personally like to love. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell how much they like it. Uh, and that's wrestling. And just a, for a quick update to those who do not know, I'm a, a collegiate freestyle re- gro- uh, Roman Greco, I guess you would call it. I'm just a wrestling fan, okay? And all three of my kids are now in wrestling. And so it's that time of year where on the weekends, we are doing a lot of wrestling tournaments. And so my youngest son, this was his first ever wrestling tournament. And going into this tournament, we knew that there were going to be some studs, uh, some young, very experienced studs at this. And uh, my kids still wanted to do it. Now, my daughter, she's going into what I would say is her They've, they've both had, I don't want to say, t- like, as far as total months, they've both had s- around six months, if not less, the amount of experience. One full year of wrestling, but not, you know, like, it's only wrestling from October, November, December, January, February, and then f- that's five months. And so we're going, maybe seven months for my, my son, uh, both my boys. And so we went to a tournament. My youngest got his first win ever, and that was pretty special, and he was excited about that. But then he got smoked his next two, uh, his next two matches. And so mm-hmm. the thing that we as parents are, are trying to figure out is to lose, teach my kids how to lose with dignity, uh, especially in a sport like wrestling where you can feel humiliated. 
And I, I was relating this actually to my daughter this weekend where I was like, hey, listen, you know, there's deer hunting seasons uh, where I emotionally, like this past season, like I hit a big deer, couldn't find him. I was sad. I was down, but I rebounded. And, and she says to me, well, the deer's not kicking your ass, dad. <laughs> so I said, touche. I agree. I agree. So, uh, my daughter, she lost all four of her matches, dude. It took guts. Uh, she wanted to wrestle in a girls division. This tournament that we went to did not have a girls division. So that meant she had to wrestle boys and she went in there against a couple state qualifiers and she wrestled extremely hard. And I am, I'm so proud of her. My son also wrestled a couple state uh, qualifiers. Uh, his first match, was uh pretty pretty tough he won actually his second match and then he lost his last match and so and so um we got to teach him how to lose with dignity we got to act like we've been there before when we when we lose uh or win and then uh and, and then understand that you know anything in life really isn't a like nothing is short term when it comes to growing as a human and becoming better at something and that's what I said. Uh, my daughter was really down. And I said, is the version of you right now better than the version of you last year? And she said, yes. I said, well, that's called growth. That's called experience. And that is, is why we do what we do. She's also in softball. So I have to teach her. I'm like, you can't. She wants to be a pitcher. And I said, you can't learn how to pitch a softball in one week. You can't be great at something in one week. You got to put in the hard work. And I'll tell you this, especially my daughter and the and the uh, wrestling club that she goes to, it's very intense and she is tough and she is gutting it out. And she's doing all of this because she knows that if she continues to, to do it, then she will get better at it and she will eventually start to win in some of these tournaments. And uh, she's had a long, hard road. But she knows that uh, what's on the other end of it because I I continue to educate my kids about hard work and work ethic and not just in a sport but in life in general um, and so I can relate to that because I pretty much sucked at uh, deer hunting for about ten years until I, f I started to figure it out 2006 to 2015 nine years I guess just horrible. The only time I would kill a deer if I was luck, if it was luck. And then you start to pick up on things a little bit every year and a little bit every year. And then, you know, you, you start tagging out and that feels good. Right. And so, and, but then you realize like all the, all the hard work and the loss and the failure that I've gone through in the past is, has led me to the success that I'm, I'm at today. And so that's, that's where I'm at as far as kids sports are concerned and how to keep them mentally strong after defeat so there's that all right so that's what we got we got another wrestling tournament coming up this weekend i'm looking forward to that i think my daughter my son says he wants to do it my daughter i think she wants to she wants to do it as well so we will see there, there is an all girls uh tournament this weekend and so that's why i think she wants to go to that one anyway um man we're knocking i mean we're knocking right on the door of thanksgiving I'm not sure when this episode's going to launch, but I'm recording this on November 20th. Hell, I might just launch it today. But the good thing about this time of year is, you know, I've been running trail cameras for a lot of years. I mean, a lot of years. And 
I have noticed that, you know, obviously all the studies show that, and, and I'm talking in the Midwest, you know, I'm, if you are hunting in one of those Southern or different type of rut areas where, you know, you got December, January, February type ruts, I'll say this, I will, uh, I've never experienced that. So I'm not sure how that, you know, you have such a long preseason, you have such a long pre-rut, and then the rut hits real late. And so I'm, I'm guessing it's just kind of on a sliding scale. But, like, again, if you want to find out more about the southern hunting uh, style, check out on the uh, Sportsman Empire, check out the, uh, the southern way. And that is uh, hosted by Josh Raley. Uh, dude, he, he's really good at what he does, and uh, he has a really good podcast. So uh, go check that out. But other than that, today we're going to talk about um, what I have seen historically this time of year, what I have seen um, uh, trail camera, as far as trail camera data, uh, in stand time data, you know, ears to the, you know, ears to the grapevine data as well. And what I've learned over the past couple of years, and we're going to talk about all that in this episode. Just going to be me again today. Uh, I'll be I'll be getting back to the uh, the guests of this, you know, with this podcast here, probably after the Thanksgiving. But right now, it's so hard to get a hold of people. Number one, because they're either hunting or it's you know we're getting into the holiday season, and a lot of these people that I like to talk to have kids who are also in activities, and so it just it's it's really tough this time of year oh by the way i'm looking at my skull cap for my buck i shot this year and it makes me happy i'm thinking i'm thinking i'm gonna have a little talk with sam over at old barn and old barn taxidermy oh by the way if if you've never been to old barn taxidermy and have talked with sam uh gaylord about taxidermy how he does things do they ship they ship deer heads all over the country to him and then he does the work for for these other you know other taxidermists or brokers or I don't even know how you do uh, what the scenario there is, but I know that he's he's doing heads from people way out of state, and it's because the quality of work is so is so awesome, and so that's why I continue to drive, you know, two hours down to uh, uh, Fort Madison, Iowa, where I get my taxidermy work done by Sam, and. Dude, I, until like, like I don't foresee myself having to leave ever it, until maybe he retires or sells the business, but I think his kids are going to take it over. So um, I'm really looking forward to, uh, uh, you know, talking with him about the full sneak right turn. I think that's the, that's the, where we're going with it this year, full sneak right turn. Uh, I think it's just going to look great in, in a full sneak right turn. Anyway. Let's let's get into the commercials real quick, and these are going to be quick because uh, the last episode I did a really long, drawn out. Um, and first off, I strongly suggest that you go listen to the last episode I put out about uh, my success, and also all of the thank yous to you know brands like Tethered Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, Huntworth, and Full Sneak Gear. You know those companies support this podcast and it's really important for me to say thank you to them because i mean they are literally paying my bills and so they're advertising their products on this podcast i use a lot i use all of them and so um 
just please take some time and go check out, go to their websites and check them out. So first tethered, if you're looking for a saddle, saddle hunting accessories or media on how to become a better saddle hunter, go check out tetherednation.com. Uh, wasp archery next week, I believe, uh, is going to be wasp week. And on wasp week, we're going to talk about, we're going to be doing three different podcasts from people uh, who are connected to wasp archery in some way, shape, or form. So next week's going to be wasp week. Um, so wasparchery.com. I do have a discount code NFC20, and that's going to get you 20% off of all of your wasp purchases. Vortexoptics.com, again, uh, awesome binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes. I think I'm going to be getting a, uh, I think I'm going to be getting a, a muzzle loader here in the next couple weeks. And then I'm going to go and get a Vortex Optics, I guess you, a spotter, or a, a, excuse me, a, a scope on it. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, vortexoptics.com. Check out their VIP warranty and all their new products. Code Blue Sense, baby. Um, man, that rope-a-dope. I'm glad I connected with these guys because that rope-a-dope in front of my trail cameras is really paying off. It is just a magnet for their nose. And they just come up, they investigate it, and I get a picture of them. And so they may or may not lay any sign. They may just come over to investigate it. But guess what? I have intel on a trail camera because of that rope-a-dope system. Uh, not only do they have the rope-a-dope system, but they have, you know, uh, scent elimination products. They have synthetic and real deer urine products and tarsal glands and things like that, you know, and then they got laundry detergent and they have body soap and things like that. So go check out codebluesense.com, discount code NFC20 for 20% off all their products. Woodman's Pal, just a badass habitat tool slash machete, great for hacking, uh, stems and vines and bushes and sticks and just to clear the way through the thickness and uh, I used mine heavily when I was setting up my trail cameras and setting up my stand some of my uh, historically good rut stands this year and so uh, go check out woodmanspal.com last but not least Huntworth and I'm gonna pull up I know they have a Black Friday sale so I want to make sure I pull that up real quick here so please bear with me while I look this up. I want to make sure I get it on this episode because it's going to be the only one. Um, here we go. Whoops. H-U-N-T-W-O-R. Huntworth. All right, one second. One second. I'm going to hit pause here. No, wait, I'm not going to hit pause. Anyway, um, Huntworth is having a Black Friday sale, and I really think that everybody needs to go check it out, huntworth.com. Huntworth, I'm on Instagram. All right, here we go. Where are we at? Oh, it's 30% off Black Friday sale, and the discount code is H-U-N-T-3-0-C-Y, huntworthgear.com. 30% discount, H-U-N-T-3-0-C-Y. And that's going to be uh, an opportunity for you to get a big discount on gear that's really good and already very affordable. So it's even going to be more affordable. And that's it. Oh, Full Sneak Gear, man, my company. If you're on YouTube, check it out. This is the Full Sneak shirt. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles hat. Uh, I would really appreciate it if you would go to fullsneakgear.com, check it out. I am also going to be running a Black Friday sale 
and I'm going to start promoting that here pretty soon on social. Uh, go to fullsneakgear.com. Go to the Full Sneak Gear uh, Instagram page or the Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram page, and I'll have that discount code available probably later today or tomorrow. So uh, really appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to listen to the commercials. Uh, let's get into today's episode uh, where I talk about deer stuff. Okay, here we go. All right, that was the intro, me knocking on wood, knocking on my desk. All right, so this time of year, we are now, like, we're on the tail end of the rut. We are, we're getting into that post-rut season. And, but I will say this, I've been running trail cameras very heavily since 2008. I believe it is. Uh, my first couple trail cameras were purchased in 2008. They were Moultrie's. They were gigantic. They were heavy. And I had to take them to a, might have been even before 2008. Anyway, I had to take them into uh, a drugstore to get the camera, like one hour development. And then so I would go, I, I would drop the film off. I would go sit, like maybe go to Subway or something. I would eat a sandwich in my car and I'd wait for an hour right in front of the drugstore to wait and get my, uh, get my pictures. And so there's nothing more frustrating than taking a roll of film in like 35 pictures or something like that. And then all of a sudden it's like wind, wind, wind maybe the tail end of a deer who knows if it's a buck or a doe wind 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 maybe you got a good picture of a deer maybe you didn't but you're just like i waited two weeks and then i waited another hour and then it's just like it's dog shit so but then once the um once the the digital cameras came into existence and you're starting to capture a whole bunch of pictures on an sd card then that's when things really changed and uh and you're able to see patterning like historic patterning you're able to see um how deer move the terrain where they move through terrain what they're doing uh when they start to come off of their nocturnal movement for the rut in the pre-rut and then go back to their nocturnal movement uh once the rut is over and they start going back to a bed to food pattern but right now is a very interesting time of year because you're sitting at, you're, we're coming up on the tail end of November. That The rut is damn near over. Lots of does are starting to uh, group back up again and go back to a very strict and steady bed-to-food pattern. Now, here's where, from a strategy standpoint, the, lo- the latest that I've ever hunted, I mean, there's been years where I hunted all through, uh, but the it was, I think it was, Actually, November 24th, I was home for Thanksgiving on, and I don't even know what day it was, but I, it was, I had, a, I had a couple kids at home and I went hunting in the morning while my wife and kids were at my mom's house and I, cause I hunt down in that area. So I went to the stand for, for a morning hunt. Sure enough, here comes a, a 170. That was actually, that was 2014. And I know that because I had pictures of a a really good buck. So I went in there, did a run and gun setup the night before, uh, and then got out of there and then came back the next morning. And sure enough, this big deer coming off the uh, food source 
walks right through this terrain feature, right through this uh, this ridge. It's at the tail end of a staging area leading back to bedding, and I caught him. And that I know it was 2014 because that was the last time I ever brought a, a camera or a video camera into the tree with me. I let this, I saw the buck, I turned the camera on, I started uh, focusing on the camera or on the deer, trying to get him on film instead of picking up my bow. He ends up walking through my, he ends up walking through my, uh, uh, shooting lane, two shooting lanes, as a matter of fact. And then he took a, uh, just so I could get him on film. And then I, he stopped. I took a shot, I drew back, took a shot. On, I rushed a shot. Uh, and then I hit him in his back strap. He lived, he was killed on a neighboring farm the next year. So long story short, that's why I don't bring, that's why I don't self self film anymore because it, it's cost me a couple really good deer and i didn't want to be a part of that anymore so uh what was i getting at this time of year this time of year is really cool because the doe groups start to pack up and it's almost like they like i look at the rut almost like a mirror right and so you see it coming you see it coming it hits it goes up it's crazy and then it's crazy for a little bit on the back end and then it's like this bell curve, right? And then it starts to calm down and everything goes back to what it was previously, okay? And so the post-rut is a lot, like the tail end of the rut is a lot like the pre-rut. So the doe groups start to get back together, right? They're, they, they're getting ch chased like crazy. They break apart, they go get bread, they meet back up, and now they're back on this bed-to-food pattern. Well, guess what? Other bucks are are leaving their core area in search of new does to breed. And so that just doesn't mean your deer are leaving. That means that other bucks from other farms are coming through here. So my trail cameras have shown and time in the tree stand throughout the years have shown that this is when the biggest most mature bucks are somewhat vulnerable just like in the pre-rut to calling to things like that because they're coming off they're looking for that last doe before they give up before testosterone uh, their testosterone starts to drop before all the does lose that sweet smell of estrus and you can grunt at them you can rattle at them and, and they'll be if unless they're not already worn out and exhausted they will come into some of that stuff now you don't want to overdo it obviously i wouldn't do a lot of blind calling i would however watch a, a buck's body language before I would call. See if he's in an aggressive mood. If he's rubbing a scrape or raking a tree, yes, call at him. But if he's just kind of head down walking, you can give it a try. I would go through the progressions, right? I would go, depending how far away he is, I would go grunt first. If he turns around and keeps walking away, maybe let him get out of sight a little ways. Then do a rattle. And then if he's in close enough yet and he's still kind of hung up and he's big and mature, and you think he's dominant, then you might be able to get away with a snort wheeze as well. So that's kind of the progression that I that I go into as far as calling is concerned. But this is when the big dogs have always shown up on trail camera for me. This is when I, I call them the bonus bucks. This is when they have always started to show up for me. And throughout the years, this 15th to the 25th, is when, man, I get not like, 
total deer movement drops off, but mature buck movement picks up, right? Because a mature buck doesn't necessarily, if there's a lot of does on a farm that he hunts or that he lives, he doesn't have to leave it. He can go breed, be dominant, go breed the next doe, be dominant, go breed however many does it takes until he's, until it starts to wind down and then he'll break away. But there are times where depending on what time a doe actually like a mature doe they usually and i'm again this is you know right around that that 30th to the 5th november 5th uh october 30th 28th to the 5th so when you start seeing some of these first deer go into heat if any of those does didn't get bred they're going to be coming back into heat right around this time again right and so if a doe doesn't get bred and or she doesn't get pregnant she'll come into heat again like 30 days later and then that's when you see right now another potential uh secondary rut where uh, either uh, maybe maybe the fawn is coming into uh, a yearling is coming into heat for the first time or a mature doe uh, didn't get pregnant and she's coming in for uh for another go around i'll tell you this I can remember one of the craziest hunts that I've ever been on was December 24th after the shotgun season. I saw a, a hot doe. It was, I came home for Christmas, went, uh, sat in a tree, and I saw, a, I saw a straight up rut. There was a doe that was not, had not been bred yet. She was running all over the timber, and there were three or four bucks chasing her. It, in on December 24th, it was Chris, I guess Christmas Eve, crazy. And so th- those types of things can still happen after your traditional, the traditional quote, rut times, right? The first two weeks of November. Um, where would I be right now if I had another tag in my pocket? I don't th- like my approach to hunting. There's no, there's no secret. There's no, there's no huge change in strategy, right? I'm cycling through good terrain features. I'm I'm still accessing them the right way. Like depending on if you're hunting out of state or not, you might be throwing some Hail Marys if it's the last day of your trip. But for me, if I'm living close to where I hunt and I have, I still have the opportunity to hunt, you know, a handful of times a week, or I go back to work and I can hunt mornings or evenings or, or I, you know, I, I got to do the kid thing or the husband thing for a while, but then I'm going to still get, you know, some, an opportunity here, man. I really think that I'm not really changing anything, right? I don't have food plots. I don't have box blinds. You know, I don't have high, high, highly managed property. So I am fighting pressure from other people on both properties, Uh, not on the new property. I'm not fighting pressure on it. But there are hunters and active farming and things like and dogs running around on that farm. Okay, so there's a little bit of that pressure. Now, I'm I'm going through I'm running through the cycles. I'm going to pinch points, right? Because this is the time of year where the big deer start to cruise, and and they'll go long ways looking for does. Like that one last that one last doe. They're trying to get that one last doe. And maybe uh, a doe's coming into heat. I've already mentioned that for the second time. This is where 
I would still go back to doe groups though. I would still go back to locating groups of does, setting up on them, setting up on a staging area in between bedding and a food source. One of the trail cameras that um, I put out is right next to a standing bean field, okay? And the entire rut, it hasn't picked up any pictures. But here in the last two days, the temperatures are starting to get colder again at night. The food sources has changed. The corn has come out of the field. And um, I'll, I'm going to say this, that uh, I, th- I, I think that they're going to start heading to beans here pretty soon. And that's why this particular trail camera has been, is, is starting to heat up because they're going back to that bed to food pattern. Now, it, I'm, I'm saying this, I'm giving you this in a, like in a line, right? Bed to food. Is there a, is there a major pinch point between the bed and the food? I'm going to, I'm going to stop probably focusing on morning so much I would probably I would rather hunt start to hunt evenings again uh, as everything starts to slow down uh, the does start going to the bed to food pattern I'm setting up in a terrain feature in between bed to food I'm setting up in a staging area right off food Um, probably not hunting field edges a lot unless I plan to call uh, a deer in maybe potentially from another property or, or something like that. But I really do think that there's an opportunity here for uh, people to get on a deer. That's just straight up, not paying attention. He's tired. He's exhausted from the rut and he'll just cruise zombie mode. We've, we've all seen it probably right this time of year. You see a deer just walking through the woods and maybe he, maybe he even sees you. Maybe he even smells you and he's just, He's lost. He doesn't even know what he's doing, right? And he looks at you and he kind of opens his eyes a little bit and he looks back at you and then he puts his nose to the ground and keeps going. That's happened to me a handful of times. They're so exhausted from running around that they're they're putting themselves in jeopardy to, to, to find that last doe, all right? Now, bedding areas this time of year... Like I, I, I always say to myself, would you rather hunt this piece or this piece? Or would you rather hunt this bedding area versus another? And I'm always thinking another place. Like I would rather hunt a pinch point than downwind of a bedding area. Because this, this time of year, the bucks are, they are probably cruising through a bedding area, downwind of it to smell it, yes, but they're also coming through these these travel corridors, these pinch points to get to go from bedding area to bedding area to bedding area where they know these does are at, and they're picking they're they're trying to find them, and so most of the does have probably already been bred by now or just finishing up being bred by now. So if they do come through a bedding area, the only time that they're staying there is to uh, because they found a hot doe, but more than likely they won't find a hot doe and they'll be traveling through all these terrain features. So for me, I would, I would love to find a location in a terrain feature where the wind direction is coming high. It's blowing low thermals 
Uh, I would like to be in an area where sun is shining on me and the thermals are going to hit. And that way, not only do I have uh, uh, a consistent wind direction, I also have a consistent thermal pull, which is very important. And then, you know, it's been kind of warm here in Iowa this November. And once the sun goes down, then we're starting to shift into a downward thermal pull. But if your thermal pull can be the same, whether it's, so you have a predominant wind, let's just say it's out of the north. I'm, uh, I'm hunting on a south-facing slope. The wind's coming out of the north. Maybe I'm in a terrain feature. Uh, my thermals are going high in, during the day, but then they're going right through my shooting lane at night. And that's how I kind of, uh, once the sun goes behind, and so that's how I'm trying how I'm trying to set up most most of the time in those types of scenarios. So uh, some other things that I think about are, you know, there's a lot of times, and this happened to me earlier this season, where I was going to one, two, three, four. I had four four tree stands or four trees that were set to hunt, and I'd set up in my saddle, and I'd. I'd go back to these four, basically four stands. And I'll tell you this, man. Um, I think that I, you know, I thought that the access routes were really good and they probably are, but no matter how good your access routes are, if you use them a lot, my, my pond wall stand was, a really good stand okay like access route no problem win no problem so i could hunt that one over and over but i had one on the north side of the property that i'm gonna call staging area right before this uh the standing bean field that i ended up uh identifying and the wind there was really iffy and deer definitely caught my scent they definitely smelled the ozonics they definitely smelled me thermals and wind direction were always fighting against each other and so towards the end of the night when the wind would die down it would be the best time for me to get into um you know position there because the wind the it would the wind and the thermal thermals wouldn't be as dangerous okay they would still teeter totter they would float in there they would shift a little bit but they weren't shifting into the area that deer were at now uh, that doesn't mean once the deer got downwind of me into this bean field that I, I was safe because I wasn't, right? They were catching they were catching me all the time. So what I'm getting at with this long rant is now's the time to maybe do a little bit extra scouting. Come off of your routine a little bit. Get outside of the box. Go try to find a new place where these deer, where maybe you don't have any trail cameras. Because I'll tell you right now, um, my trail. If I if I only lived and died by my trail cameras, I would have thought, hey, there's no there's no mature. After I shot my first buck and I found out he was alive, there's no more. Uh, there's no other bucks on the property. But because I went into a different area, I found a new little terrain feature, a pinch point. I got into the timber a little ways. I had a decent access route. I got, I had a, a buck walk by. And so it's one of those things where you just, you gotta, gotta 
go back to the drawing board at some point. Maybe, maybe instead of going and hunting, going and doing, and I know this, this probably doesn't work for small properties, but either maybe take a night off or sit down, maybe do a little creep hunting where you're not mobile, you're, you're mobile, but maybe it's more of an observation type of hunt where maybe you're glassing from a high point or you're setting up a tree stand a, a long ways away just to see it as much ground as you possibly can. I know that's hard to do in big, in the big woods, but this time of year, all the leaves are off the tree for the most part. And you should be able to see in the timber very well, especially if there's still chasing going on because you can hear that stuff, especially if it's dry. Even when it's not dry, you can hear deer running through the woods and then maybe you're like, okay, well, maybe I need to creep up there tonight or I need to creep, I need to have a stand ready for tomorrow morning where they came through. And so be mobile. Don't be afraid to drive your truck right up to a tree stand, take it down, move it 20 yards, leave your truck running, move that tree stand, set it up, leave, and then sneak back into it that night or the next morning. Man, I do, I do that all the time. And I, I feel like that really is a benefit. It like on my Instagram stories, I've talked a little bit about, um, hard bumps versus soft bumps. And I've, I've heard other people talk them talk about this before. Like, what would a hard bump be? Me walking through the timber, a deer not only sees me, but he smells me, and that's a hard bump, and he goes away for a real, like, he could he could go away the whole season. I've had that happen before. One, one, in, one encounter with this buck, I saw him, he saw me, he smelled me, adios, didn't see him till the next year. A soft bump, to me, is where maybe a buck will see you or a deer will see you they'll trot off you climb up into a tree stand and then they come back through they kind of absorb back it's like throwing a rock into a pond and right away it's going to be a lot of ripples but then those ripples kind of fade away and everything kind of goes back to normal so that's why i drive my truck right up to the field edge leave it running the deer stand up more than likely they run away if they're close and they don't see it but they only hear it they may just stick it out but, but what happens is the deer, maybe if they see my truck coming, they'll stand up, maybe they'll trot away. Uh, but it's just like a car or a truck or a tractor. They're, they're not really threatened by it per se, because it's loud. They can hear it coming. It's a soft bump. I set up a tree stand and that's why like, some, I, I hear a lot of guys say, my wife drops me off. My buddy drops me off, ride the tree stand. And then I ride, I ride away or somebody else rides away. And that's a, that that shit was work would work. I wish I had something a scenario like that, where I could drive. I mean, I kind of do with my e bike, but I still have to walk into some of my tree stands. Long story short, there, um, leave your car running, do the, you know, set up a new tree stand, drive out, come back to it with a really good access plan that night, uh, and be prepared for deer to be on their feet and moving all the time this time of year. Right? I don't know. I have deer coming through on cell camera on the pinch points, whether they're a, a big shooter buck or a, a doe. Every hour of the day now, there is, and it has been this way, there are all ages and sexes of deer running through pinch points, running through 
uh, really good terrain features. They're on their feet. They're moving. Um, the does are, however, are started, you know, starting to come back together as doe groups and they're still hanging out in bedding areas. They're probably bedding down at some point, but they're also probably getting bumped by younger does or younger bucks, immature bucks, and they're, they've already been bred, so they don't want to be messed with anymore. So they'll stand up and they'll move or they'll, they'll just run in circles or whatever it is that they do. So <laughs> I wish I could sit here and say like, here's five steps to, to, uh, to having a, a successful post rut hunt. And it's really just doing the same thing that you've been doing, but doing it, you know, maybe taking a, a taking a day off or taking a, a, a scout day, right? Especially if you're hunting public, go someplace. If, if you're struggling on public, go someplace you've never been before. Do some scouting. I mean, un, unless you're on a deer and you know a deer's in this area and you have a ton of fresh intel, but if you're not having that, now's the time to just go and cruise, man. Um, and especially during the chaos of the, the firearm season, in a lot of cases, there's a lot of people out in the woods, they're hunting, right? They're, they're walking through the woods aimlessly. They're looking for deer. Now might be the time for you to go out and do your scouting. Look for these good terrain features. Look for these little, uh, secluded honey holes with a lot of sign, put a little check mark in this area. And then come back to it once the gun season's over. I feel like the the gun season, all it does is all the pressure either makes deer go extremely chaotic and they're not in any type of pattern or it shrinks their core area down to a very small area. Maybe the rut continues to happen during the evenings but it's they're still going to be moving. They're still going to be rutting, uh, just maybe after dark. Okay, so if you can find these little isolated pockets where the gun pressure hasn't hit, and there's only one way to do that, and that's to do a little, do a little scouting, right? Take take a time off from a hunt and go walk a creek bed, walk a river system. Uh, drop down into a, a, a marsh, circle the marsh, looking for that edge, looking for where that edge meets a terrain feature, looking for where that edge meets that terrain feature, meets a travel corridor to a staging area that eventually leads to maybe an egg field, oak flat, right? You name a food source, and I'm sure there is a bedding area to that food source and a, a line that travels through everything that I've just said. So if you can find the edge, you can find the terrain feature. You can find the food source, maybe even a little water. Maybe if you know where the bedding area is at, just put all those dots on a map and then draw a line from where you feel that they're eating to where you feel that they're bedding and then find the, the best terrain feature to sit up in that line, on that line. And sometimes it can be a very small, a very subtle terrain feature, especially if you're in... Um, uh, hunting ground maybe like a river bottom that's pretty flat or you're hunting uh, in a, a really flat environment uh, where the terrain features are going to be extremely subtle right maybe it's a berm uh, maybe it's a levee or maybe it's uh i don't know like an old an old road or something like that that was built up these are the things that 
we should all be looking at right now um, and just capturing that data, whether it's on, uh, you know, a digital map or app hunting app, or you got to take notes and put it in a little piece of paper and, and keep a journal or something like that. And so that's what I'd be doing this time of year. Um, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, right? Uh, I'm not going to give you some bullshit really drawn out. Uh, here's five steps to what you should be doing right now because everybody knows what they should be doing. The more time that you can spend in the tree stand, that's the best possible thing. But by now, most of us have burnt the bridges, right? Unless you're, unless you're single uh, or you're not married or you don't have kids or your wife is just somehow really cool uh, with, with you hunting as much as you possibly want, then you're starting to panic a little bit. Don't panic. Just continue to go through the motions. Eventually it will happen, but you got to be in the right place. You can't take shortcuts and you can't give up. And right now is the most time that you want to sit in a tree stand because we're, we're coming up on the end of this crazy period and eventually, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say, probably within the next two weeks, week, depending on where you live, and I'm talking about the traditional rut Midwest in this, in this conversation. These principles that I talk about, they can, they can be transferred to any part of the country, right? Even to the south, where your rut may be in January and February, you still have a pre-rut leading up to that. You still have uh, a post-rut after that, and so it's the same type of things. It's just that the food sources are a little bit different. The terrain is a little bit different. Uh, and you know, the deer herd is a little bit different as well. So keep doing what you're doing. Be tough. Don't give up. Find any possible excuse to get into the woods. Bribe, bribe your kids, bribe your wife or your lover or whatever it is that, uh, whoever you have to bribe, get in the tree stand, do some extra scouting, check your trail cameras. If you're really struggling and you do have trail cameras out and you're the type of person who's like, oh man, I don't know if I wanna, I don't know if I wanna go into this area to check my trail cameras. Um, well, go in there to hunt. Do a run and gun into this area. While you're there, check your trail cameras, set up a tree stand or a saddle or a platform or hunt from the ground or a ground blind, whatever it is you have to do. Handle some business. It's that time of year. So um, other than that, guys, not a lot to say. Good vibes in, good vibes out. If you're going to be in a tree, wear your safety harness. Huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, Huntworth, and Full Sneak Gear. Uh, do me a big favor. Go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Go to iTunes. Leave a five-star review. Go to uh, Instagram. Make sure you're following fullsneakgear.com, the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network, and um, uh, the Nine Finger Chronicles as well. So good vibes, good luck. And uh, if you have any questions or want to run an idea by me or want me to take a look at a, a strategy, uh, I'm not saying I'll, I'll answer everybody, but I will take some opportunity to, you know, I, I pick and choose a couple guys every week and uh, I'll either give them a phone call or I'll talk to, or they send me maps and I'll give my best uh, what I would do in a scenario like this, almost like a consultant, uh, but for very cheap, which is free. So <laughs> good vibes in, good vibes out, and we will talk to you next time.
Thank you.